Chapter Four of Armand Durand by Rosanna Le Proen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Meanwhile, we will go back a few hours to meet Paul on his homeward route. Rapidly he jolted on, heedless of the miry roads, of the rain so liberally deluging him, in the happy prospect of soon being again with Genevieve, and in the satisfactory remembrance of the favourable business he had transacted in Montreal, tokens of which he had brought back in the shape of handsome presents for his wife. Unexpectedly he came upon old Olivier Dupuis, trudging along on foot, and apparently as heedless of the rain as himself of course paul drew up and offered the wayfarer a seat beside him a proposal accepted with an alacrity arising from more motives than one when started on the way again after a few words about the weather paul heartily said ah pere dupuis it cheers and shortens a long road wonderfully to know that there is a true kind wife at the end of it to welcome one olivier groaned aloud and dismally shook his head supposing this mournful outburst was a covert allusion on dupuis's part to his own state of widowhood paul though it was the first time he had known him to grieve on that account kindly said cheer up olivier all have their trials in this world some time or other and you have good health and good spirits to make up for your lonely fireside as for that paul durand was the tart reply i think myself much less to be pitied without a wife than many men are with one the tone even more than the words was peculiar and paul cast a keen glance at his companion yes look at me well and i only wish you could read in my face all that's on my mind it would save me telling things which i won't be thanked i suppose for making known oh paul paul why couldn't you do as your neighbors and forefathers did before you choose a wife from among the smart honest girls of your parish instead of going farther to fare worse assuredly neighbor dupuis you have been taking somebody else's allowance of rum this morning atop of your own was paul's angrily uttered reply this last insinuation shot home for old dupuis often exceeded the bounds of temperance though he had not done so on this particular occasion so with a malicious twinkle in his little sharp eyes he replied thank you for the hint good friend but i've met no christian to-day generous enough to offer me his share that's neither here nor there however and we need not fight because i think it my duty to tell an old friend and neighbor out of kindness when i see his wife carrying on and amusing herself when he's away with one of the beautifully dressed perfumed young gentlemen visiting at the seigneur's ah you may well turn pale for it's true they spent three whole hours in the garden alone yesterday manon saw them too so she can tell you the same story and the day before that widow lapointe saw them talking together under the apple tree in the garden she says she stood watching them for nearly an hour and the fine gentleman was all smiles and sweetness to madame again a marked emphasis on the title 
dupuis was small in stature feeble and gray-haired so paul who possessed herculean strength was too generous to gratify his vengeance by using personal violence towards him he was therefore obliged to content himself with snatching him up suddenly by the back of his coat collar and dropping him as he would have done a troublesome puppy in the middle of the miry road then with the one muttered word coquin rascal he lashed his horse furiously and set off at a breakneck speed along the uneven road after a time however he allowed the animal's pace to slacken the reins to fall on its neck and bowing his head in his hands he groaned aloud yes yes it must be true the thought was agony unspeakable but that did not diminish the likelihood of its truth he remembered now how that elegant gentleman's gaze had pertinaciously and admiringly followed his wife's movements during the short visit he had paid with mr de courval at their house and he recalled with a feeling of mingled rage and despair that she had unaccountably at least to him refused to accompany him to town durand was by nature of a fiercely jealous temperament but this failing had hitherto lain almost dormant from want of circumstances favorable to its development now all at once it leaped into existence with as much strength and vitality as if it had blazed unrestrained all his life his anger toward his wife was softened now and then by a pang of grief or wounded tenderness but his rage against de chevandier was deadly and had the latter crossed his path during that homeward drive the consequences might have been of a fatal nature as he turned into the yard the gate of which stood open in expectation of his arrival he nervously shrank from the thought of meeting his wife he knew beforehand reproaching and accusing her would afford him no satisfaction and he asked himself would it not be better to drive at once to the manor-house ask for de chevandier and without a word of commentary or explanation fall upon him and take full vengeance for his wrongs serving mr de courval with a small dose of the same treatment if he ventured to interfere for after all he was the indirect author of all this misery bringing with him into virtuous humble homes his unprincipled fashionable friends whilst he still sat wavering in purpose reins in hand the door opened and genevieve in her fresh girlish beauty ran out and poising her little foot lightly on the iron step held up her blushing face to kiss him naturally shy and undemonstrative nothing but her deep love for her husband could have tempted her so far out of her usual reserve but turning aside his head as if not comprehending her intention he harshly said go in out of the rain what a fierce pang of anguish shot through her heart as he spoke the words he had had such love such trust in her and she was so winning so lovable so gentle in appearance whatever she might be in reality leaping from his seat he unharnessed his horse led him to the stable and declining the assistance of one of the farm servants who hastened to help him he fed watered and rubbed the animal down himself feeling then that the dreaded explanation between himself and his wife could no longer be averted he strode into the house the cloth was laid supper on the table and genevieve standing waiting for him 
but how different that pale shrinking woman to the blushing joyous creature that had bounded down so lightly a few moments before to welcome him ruthlessly flinging away the embroidered slippers in the midst of poor genevieve's bewildered anguish that little act inflicted a special pang of its own he seated himself at table but food and drink remained untouched except a large tumbler of cold water which he swallowed at a draught he then pushed back his chair what does it all mean the trembling young wife asked herself for the twentieth time and her cheek grew paler and her lips whiter till she almost feared she would faint the hue of guilt thought paul ah the worthless hypocrite at length she spoke paul what is the matter with you why do you treat me thus first answer me a question woman what visitors have you had here in my absence no one but captain de chevandier she faltered ah it is true then and you have the audacity to acknowledge it this speech was certainly inconsistent on paul's part for if she had concealed the truth he would have been if possible more enraged with her but when was anger ever logical or consistent her reply however was a fearful confirmation of the reports he had heard and in a hoarse husky voice he asked how often three times that is every day during my absence except to-day when either the fear of my return or of exposing his dainty person to the rain kept him at home oh false worthless woman what can i what do i think of the wife who profits of a husband's absence to pass hours every day in the company of a total stranger whose only claims on her are that he is young handsome and unprincipled oh on my sacred word paul i will swear it on the bible if you like i have never wronged you my husband by one word or thought without any invitation from me captain de chevandier called here moved only by a feeling of politeness or courtesy silence i say do you think you can blind me to your misdoings as easily as that ah you have proved yourself an ungrateful as well as a false wife though you have made ourselves and our home a laughing-stock in the village through your miserable ignorance of everything that a woman should know i have never spoken an angry word to you never even given you a cold look on that account but you spend the time that other women pass in honest useful housework in listening to the sweet words of a scoundrel in trifling with your husband's honour paul you are cruel and unjust silence i tell you do you not know that to-morrow the wretched gossips in whose power you have so weakly so criminally placed yourself will have held us both up to public scorn out of my sight she rose and with a feeling of deathly sickness crept from the room the fiercest enemy paul durand ever had would have felt his desire of vengeance sated if he could have looked into that silent chamber and into the depths of the occupant's heart as he sat there in lonely wretchedness his aching head bowed on his crossed arms unnoting the thickening shadows of twilight unconscious of the long day's fast which he had but lightly broken once in the anticipation of the pleasant evening meal to be partaken of in his own home with her 
by degrees his first violence gave way to softer thoughts and feelings what if genevieve had only erred through inexperience or thoughtlessness had been guilty of no greater fault than simply permitting de chevandier's visits without either inviting or encouraging them well it was almost as bad for he had said words in his anger which few women could easily forget or forgive and he felt a spirit of dogged sullenness rising within him which would prevent him making anything like advances even if convinced that he had unjustly accused her he foresaw it all the estrangement that henceforth would arise like a wall between them an estrangement which time would only deepen and they had been so happy together he had known such perfect bliss in his home since she had come to it she had entwined herself so closely around his very being in anguish unutterable he groaned aloud a light footfall crossed the floor and looking up he saw genevieve beside him she placed the candle she carried on the table and even in the trouble of the moment he noted how deathly pale she was and how weeping and mental suffering had already left dark rings beneath her soft eyes suddenly conviction awoke within him that she was innocent of all wilful offence and with that thought a terrible fear flashed across his mind that she had come to say she would leave him that he had insulted outraged her beyond forgiveness it was just such gentle quiet women as she who did such things and he knew he felt that the demon of sullen pride within him would keep him dumb that even though his heart should break he should make no sign and let her depart very softly then she spoke paul i am sorry truly sorry that i have angered you thus had i known that you would have disapproved of captain de chevandier's visits i should have refused to receive them even at the risk of insulting without provocation a friend of mr de courval's hear me swear now before god as solemnly as if i were on my deathbed here she knelt beside him and reverently raised upwards her clear earnest eyes shining with the light of truth that i am innocent of one thought or word that could in any manner have wronged you surely you will forgive my unintentional offence passionately convulsively he strained her to his heart and as he held her there he inwardly registered a vow that never again would he grieve contradict or doubt her that feminine gentleness more powerful than anger logic or pride had demolished in an instant the wall that passion and suspicion had raised between them my wife my darling he whispered as the tears his honest manly nature no longer felt ashamed of fell thickly on the glossy head resting against his breast thank god we are at peace again may this be our last as it has been our first quarrel it was and no look of doubt or anger on either side darkened the course of their later married life the next day when captain de chevandier called he was told that mrs durand was too busy to receive him when he repeated his visits 
which he took good care to do at a time when he knew durand was from home having seen him pass on his way to the back of the farm he doubtless flattered himself with the prospect of a different answer but the reply was the same coupled with the additional mortification of seeing genevieve at one of the windows engaged in no more important occupation than that of trimming the plants and flowers in the window with a muttered curse he turned away and the next day bade farewell to alonville never to return to it matters after this went on very quietly at the durand homestead but though perfect peace and affection reigned within it there was no perceptible change in the domestic economy of the establishment still honest paul was thoroughly satisfied thoroughly happy so that after all was the chief point the slanderous gossip propagated by old dupuis soon died out for want of something new to feed upon genevieve continued to enjoy with the same zest sunshine birds and flowers satisfying her conscience now and then by a desperate effort at housekeeping which after causing her intense worry for some time she would quietly abandon a token of mrs chartrand's thoughtfulness soon arrived in the shape of a large parcel accompanied by a note from that lady saying that as she supposed paul would soon require new shirts she had taken the liberty of sending a dozen cut out according to a pattern of his she had in her possession she knew the making of them would be only an amusement for her sister-in-law of course the young wife willingly undertook the task and when paul left for his fields in the morning he carried with him in imagination a pleasant picture of his pretty genevieve seated at her little table armed with a dainty thimble and scissors and a pile of snow-white cotton and linen before her but alas genevieve's good intentions were frustrated not by want of will but of ability she got confused utterly bewildered between gussets bands and pieces and finally disheartened and discouraged she put her work hopelessly down before her she left it and returned to it twice thrice during the course of the day but with like result whilst sitting with her hands lying listlessly in her lap thinking how willingly she would exchange the little embroidering talent she possessed for the art of reducing the chaos of white strips before her to order paul hot and wearied with his toil under a burning sun entered instinctively she caught up the sewing which had made so little progress since morning and then glanced towards her husband he had seated himself and was wiping the thick drops of perspiration from his flushed forehead such a contrast in his hot weariness to her own repose as she sat quiet in that cool shady room and yet how dispirited how listless how miserable she felt in the midst of her ease well little wife how goes the sewing he kindly asked she threw it down again and bursting into tears sobbed forth tis no use keeping up a fiction i understand nothing about it paul paul you have a useless worthless wife pushing away the work he drew her kindly towards him whispering heaven is witness genevieve that you render my home pleasant to myself and happy what can woman do more 
don't worry yourself about such trifles your sweetness and patience render you more dear to me than if you were the most notable cook and seamstress in the parish tie all that up in a bundle and this evening we will drive to widow lapointe's and leave it with her it will be a charity to make her earn a trifle and the drive will make you as cheerful as a linnet they soon started and though gossips wondered at paul's infatuation and singular blindness to the shortcomings and utter uselessness of his wife she pursued her way more petted and indulged than ever before another year the cup of paul's happiness was filled to overflowing by the birth of a son no titled nobleman longing for an heir to bear an old and time-honored name no millionaire anxious for a son to inherit his vast wealth rejoices more over the birth of a male child than does the humble canadian peasant either it is that he too likes to see his obscure though honest name perpetuated or that he knows a son's strong arm will bring him help in his agricultural labors at a time when he knows old age will render such assistance almost indispensable such is certainly the case but alas paul's joy like all earth's gleams of sunshine was short-lived and genevieve's health always frail and delicate never rallied after the birth of her child day by day she grew weaker and despite the affection the watchful tenderness with which paul surrounded her despite her own boundless clinging love for husband and child the parting hour came and patient resigned she softly breathed out her life in the strong arms that had proved so secure a resting-place to her since she had first known their shelter ah paul durand as you sat lonely and almost broken-hearted in your room no sound breaking its haunted silence but the monotonous ticking of the tall clock standing in the corner and looking back remembered the weariness and languor with which at times she moved about and the color that went and came with every trifling exertion you divined the secret of the want of energy for which idle tongues had so often blamed her and you reverently thanked your god that you had never reproached or taunted her with it never harshly urged her to exertions and efforts which were beyond her strength perhaps durand's greatest solace was found in this thought and in the petting of his infant son who possessed all his mother's delicacy of feature and it was to be feared much of her fragility of constitution now in his isolation paul would willingly have accepted the companionship of his sister but that worthy lady wearying of her weeds had already consented to exchange them for nuptial garments and was to be married in a few months to a respectable notary somewhat advanced in years but who possessed a good practice and quiet temper points mrs chartrand had taken care to fully satisfy herself on before giving an affirmative answer to his suit it was not so much on account of household waste and mismanagement that paul desired his sister's presence for by this time he had become thoroughly accustomed to both but it was for his child's sake that tender little nursling wanted more judicious care than the fitful kindness or ignorant companionship of servants 
once convinced that there was no chance of mrs chartrand's coming to live with him he resolved to marry again ah what a shame some reader may exclaim how could he so soon forget the fair young wife who had nestled for a time on his hearth and next his heart he did not forget her and long years after in the solemn hour when life's last scenes were receding from his misty sight the hope that he was again to meet her absorbed every earthly regret End of chapter 4